Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I'm Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, I thank you for joining us. May God bless you through these words you are about to hear, and may you know God's eternal and unstoppable love for you through them. Now, on to the podcast. Our gospel lesson is from Gospel of John today in the second chapter, so we're pretty early in the gospel here, uh, and as it begins, it says, on the third day, uh, Jesus has, was baptized uh, a couple days, about two days, either the day before or two days before this, picked up a few disciples, uh, and then we get into this reading. This is the uh, transforming water into wine at the wedding at Cana. And so hear now and listen for how God is speaking to you through these words of John's Gospel. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. And when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. A couple weeks ago, and Lynn and I were planning worship through uh, Epiphany. We try to always be looking about a month ahead or so, uh, coming up with music and themes for worship uh, and, and whatnot. And so I have each Sunday on a single sheet of paper, and I write down what the scripture passages are, and then write down a, just a short summary after each one to remember uh, what the lessons for the Sunday are. And for, for today, I, I wrote down, Jesus turns wine into water. And realize later that I'd gotten it in the wrong, in the wrong order. Obviously, that is not what he did today. But that would be, in some ways, more of a miracle to turn water into water, to turn wine into water. But then I started thinking about water and 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 uh, and the making of wine or the making of beer or any alcoholic beverage, uh, and especially back in ancient. Times I'm not quite sure what the water was like where Jesus was, but certainly in some areas of the world, it was important uh, really to, to turn the water into the alcoholic beverage so that through the process of boiling it and fermentation and adding of alcohol, the water became safe to drink. Uh, a lot of areas just did not have water that was safe for human consumption as it was, and they didn't have the technology other than making wine or beer 
to purify the water so that it was safe enough to drink. I, some places had, had great water, or it all depends on the well that you're at or whatever, but some areas it was just safer to turn this, it, it, the water into uh, an alcoholic beverage so that it was safe for consumption. And it tend to be very low alcohol levels in it, so it's not, not like a, some of the wines or other things we have today. It would be low level uh, of alcohol so that you would still, by drinking it, get enough water to keep the body hydrated. But I thought of uh, that, you know, turning the water into, into wine or even turning wine into water would be this, is a miracle of purification in a way. A miracle of purification. Uh, and much like our water filters that we have today, thankfully we have the technology to make our water clean and to make it safe to drink. Uh, I got to think of the water filter that I have in my kitchen. It's just a, it's a, just a little canister about this big, but it has the technology to screen out anything that's, I think, 0.9 microns uh, in size or larger, one micron in size or larger, which gets rid of just about all of the, the bad bacteria uh, and nasty things and even certain chemicals. And then within this little canister is some activated charcoal. And there's enough surface area on the charcoal in this little canister. There's about 200,000 square feet of surface area inside this little canister. That's four and a half acres of surface area. That's pretty impressive. And it might be wrong of me to uh, contemplate uh, water filtration as, as a miracle or technology as a, as a miracle, but at, at some level it, it, it can be. It can be. You know, and, and, and the added what is in some ways kind of miraculous. Uh, you know, activated charcoal is something you know, Native Americans were using charcoal to filter water and probably other cultures were, but we've added this miracle of being able to enwrap it in plastic, to extrude the plastic to make the canister, and the miracle of, of plumbing inside of our house, and the miracle of citywide plumbing that we can, as a city, take water from a common source and then pump it out to every house and business in the community to come out of our uh, taps and our bathtubs and whatnot, uh, and then have all of our wastewater go back to a treatment facility to be cleaned and purified and set back into motion again. Think of that the next time, uh, I don't say this to be crude, but think of this the next time that you flush the toilet and then go into the kitchen and make a, a pot of tea or a pot of coffee. The water that is going into your coffee or your tea has uh, quite likely been in your house before or someone else's house before. That's pretty impressive. I say it not to be gross, but because it's, you know, it's a sewage treatment and clean water that has allowed the incredible density of our urban environments that's allowed us to live so close together and that has helped to eliminate so many diseases that plagued cities even a hundred years ago and that still plague some cities and other areas around the world that don't have what we have. 
And so maybe talking about technology as, as a miracle is, is disingenuous, but at some level it is that human beings, that God made us so that we're able to figure this stuff out so that we can make these things and that God gave us a world that is, at least at some level, understandable by us and that we can manipulate and change. You know, and in Jesus' time, they would have had the technology, certainly, to turn water into wine. That was an old technology already at that point. Beer had been being made, wine had been made all over the world for a long time. But what was different about Jesus here is Jesus had the cleverness to be able to do that without the need of grapes or yeast or fermentation vats. Jesus just did it. And, and apparently did, it, uh, did better without any equipment or any training than the professionals were able to do. Which maybe it was just beginner's luck. But I don't think so. It was Jesus. He was the Son of God. He is the miracle worker. And he just made his first public declaration of who he is. He is the one who can take the ordinary and make it into something extraordinary. Make it into something better or more interesting, or at least certainly different. Take one thing and make it into something else. We had Last Sunday we read of Jesus' baptism, we read from Luke's gospel last Sunday, but in the sermon I mentioned that that is the first thing that he does as an adult in all four Gospels. That's the first thing that Jesus does once he's an adult. Matthew and Luke have some stories of Jesus as a, you know, has the birth of Jesus and some stories of him as a teenager. But all four of them, all four Gospels, the first thing Jesus does is get baptized by John the Baptist. And then Jesus starts doing what he was destined to do. Then he starts fulfilling his mission. And I, I phrased it in the sermon as, you know, all four gospel writers are telling us the story of Jesus, and they started with, Jesus was baptized, and then, dot, dot, dot. And then here's the rest of his life. Here's how he lived out his baptism and fulfilled it, just as we all have our own dot, dot, dot there. He was baptized, and then dot, 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 or she was baptized, and then dot, dot, dot. And how we live out that dot, dot, dot is uh, related to how seriously we take our baptismal vows and how important that is to us. And I want you all to strive to go forward living into that dot, dot, dot in such a way that you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That you hear it from your hears at church, that you hear it from your friends, and that you hear it from God. But I also want you to live this dot, 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 knowing that Jesus is not the only one who can transform things, and not the only one who can do miracles. Or as the Gospel of John uh, always says, to do signs. John doesn't use the word miracle. When Jesus does something, it's a sign. It's a sign. Jesus worked signs, things that point to who he is and that point to God. These are all signs to lead people to look at God. 
So Jesus was baptized and then turned water to wine. And we can do that as well. And we do do that. If we think of water as that which is ordinary, and wine as that which is extraordinary, or beyond ordinary, however you want to think of it, think of water as ordinary wine as that water transformed into something more maybe than it thought it could be. We are the keepers of the keys of sacred transformation. That's the power that Jesus has left to us, we who are his followers, we who are the church. We can do signs that point to God and do signs of transformation, of change, transforming the ordinary into extraordinary. We lift each other up. We help to build God's realm one person at a time by taking lives that are broken and transforming them into lives that are whole and healthy, or at least closer to whole and healthy. Which isn't as grandiose as it may sound. We do that here all the time. Even in, in simple ways, we do that at, at, at funerals and funeral lunches. We help those who are grieving, which is a kind of, of brokenness, a spot of, of unwholeness in one's life, to grieve and to mourn, or the way that we treat each other at funerals, help those who are mourning by serving them, by being with them, is a way to bring some wholeness, to help fix that brokenness by saying you're not alone. You have a community that cares for you. You have a community that loves you. When we pray for one another, when we visit the sick or send a card, taking a meal to someone, uh, lending an ear, offering a hug, having lunch together, working together at a pie and ice cream social or a holiday bazaar or a thrift sale, worshiping together. It's this endless list of ways that we transform one another's lives here and change each other's lives. All signs that point to God. I would think because we're doing it, we're here doing all of this because of our dedication to God, because of our response to God's love. And there's also even physical transformation that we do in the church that is, in a way, miraculous. We can take a pile of wood and wires and ivory and make out of it an instrument that produces music of joy and praise and music that can bring comfort at funerals or bring that joy to a wedding or help us celebrate in worship. And we have taken wood and wires, glass, fabric, plastic, concrete, and transform that into this space that we gather in, this sanctuary that we come together to worship in, free from the elements, especially good on a day like this. It's not the day I'd want to be worshiping outside. And while we are here in this space gathered together, we, we transform the air into music. 
We transform the air into learning and sermons and scripture and transform it into words of loving concern in prayer. We transform it into the sounds of, of laughter and the sounds of concern. And I've seen this happen a, a number of times, especially singing Borning Cry or Silent Night on Christmas Eve. I've seen, uh, and I've seen it at weddings and at funerals, I've seen you transform your body's water into tears. Signs, all signs that point to God, that this matters, that what we do here is important and that other people are important because they're important to God. And maybe you can't think of yourself as a miracle worker, but Hopefully you can think of yourself as a worker of signs. To just doing things that point people to God. To say, God did that through me. That was God's work. Transformed lives here and does so with signs that point to God. We've done that with each other. But also you've transformed lives of people that you don't even know and will never meet. Or will never know the names of. Think of the money that we gave for helping after Hurricane Katrina and after Sandy and after the Indonesian tsunamis and other disasters. The money that we've given to the What If Foundation in Haiti and to the St. Francis Food Pantry and the community table here. Uh, Both the money and and our presence, physical presence there, or a street ministry. Think of the people that have been touched by God, that have seen God's sign, because you have learned or felt something here, and and that's inspired you to live out your dot, dot, dot in a moment of generosity or compassion. Or think of the lives that you've touched outside these walls, just being around town in a a moment where a complete stranger, you've offered a, a moment of compassion uh, or, or generosity, to let them go ahead of you, or to hesitate before uh, cursing them for something that you thought was idiotic for them to do, that you gave someone maybe a bit of, uh, of space, uh, all of which may have touched them in ways and transformed them in ways that we'll never know. We also can turn water into wine. And we do. But there's also another direction. If we think of Jesus as wine, as that which is extraordinary, and he was, at the end, Jesus became water. He transformed wine himself into water. He emptied himself and became the living water that he talked about with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. God and Jesus became ordinary, human. And then Jesus became ordinary for us on the cross to know pain and abandonment and hurt and even death. And so maybe in that, in that experience of Jesus making himself ordinary, imagine that as a call for us to also turn wine into water. For us to find strength in the Holy Spirit to become water for others. 
Because wine is good and fun and can make a, a party a, a happening event, but you can't live on it. It's not good enough for life. You can't survive on wine, and wine can dull the senses and impair us from discerning the good. And life occurs mostly in the ordinary. And there are miracles aplenty in the ordinary to see, for those who see. But life occurs mostly in the ordinary, as water. And we come to the wine of worship to prepare us to go out into the water of the week. Even liturgically, we're in the season of Epiphany now, the time between Christmas and Lent. But then there's also that long period between Pentecost and the next Advent that goes usually you know, May into end of November or early June into November, uh, about 35 weeks each year. Liturgically, that time is called ordinary time. That's the official word for it. It's the ordinary time. Most of our life is spent in ordinary time. Our neighbors are not uh, found in, in wine vats at parties, but they're found in the waters of daily life, of despair and longing, of worrying about their children, financial anxiety, all those things that we experience lamenting a botched opportunity or a failing body. And also celebrating the ordinary miracles as they come, the success of children, the love of family, the friends that surround us, having a meal with someone we haven't seen in a long time, or a telephone call, a surprise visit, even just surviving a day of work. Most of life is ordinary time. And even in this story that we read at Cana, there's this very ordinary event that goes on. Jesus' sign was performed only because of this most ordinary mother-son interchange. When Mary says, there's no more wine. And Jesus says, basically, who cares? And says, I'm not going to do anything, but he does. He does something. Jesus turned water into wine for one celebration and he brought wine to a memorial meal that last supper with the disciples. But when the chips were down and the end was determined, he turned the wine himself into water. And he became for us the living water that is Jesus Christ. The water of our mother's womb, our baptismal water, the water that we need to live through whom we have been given eternal life. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Also, please check our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services, as well as links to join our Facebook page, subscribe to our Twitter feed and our podcast, and to leave comments. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, I am Rev. David Huber. 
Thank you for spending this time with us, and God bless.